Good morning. morning. I want to welcome everyone here. Let's begin with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day and what it represents, a day of rest, a day of freedom, a day of renewal, um, and a day to contemplate your design laws and how and to compare your government to earthly governments. I ask your spirit to be with us today as we study uh, new, uh, begin a new quarterly. In Jesus' name, amen. We are starting new quarter. The title of the quarterly is called The Covenant. The introduction tells a story about English statesman named Thomas Hobbes. Before I get into that story, I, I want to I want to make clear that in order to understand what is a remedy for mankind, of which the covenant is a symbol, covenant is a symbol of the remedy that is to be provided for mankind, we need to understand what happened in the beginning. And I'm not talking about the beginning of our earth, the beginning of humanity, the beginning of our solar system. I'm talking about the beginning of when sin entered the universe. And even back to before that, the, the nature of the first created being that we know as Lucifer and how he indulged in pride and covetousness and sin developed the mystery of iniquity developed within him. Uh, and he was so, so intelligent and so crafty and so subtle his deceptions that one third of the angelic host who literally saw God face to face, saw Michael, the being we know as Jesus, understood, operated perfectly within the heavenly government, and they allowed that they surrendered their thinking to Lucifer and were deceived. We This week's lesson is about the, quote, fall of mankind, but we understand the context within which mankind was created in the first place. The universe was at war. The, the fall in heaven had already occurred. Sin already existed in the universe. And God could have just made declarations that, hey, I'm right, get in line, get on board, or else. But no, he started providing evidence. Let there be light. Let the waters separate. Let the land come forth from the waters. Let there be birds and fish and fowl and then he let us make mankind in our image. This is not proof. This is evidence, and the distinction between the two is important. Proof, irrefutable proof, can be coercive, and there is no coercion in God's government. Think for a minute. If if Christ had, um, when he was on the cross, and the scoffers were saying, come down from there, save yourself. If you come down, we'll believe you. If he'd said, eh, okay, and he unnailed himself from the cross, hovered above the crowd, and displayed his glory. those if, if any people had survived, they would have believed, but they would have believed out of fear. They would not have believed out of a change of heart and mind and character. They would have been coerced into believing. Yes? But didn't, wasn't that the reason that Satan rebelled was because God... And Christ together were planning on creating the earth, and Satan was jealous because he couldn't come in on the plans, and so that's when it all started. So wasn't wasn't the plan for Earth in existence before sin was in, was in existence? 
it makes sense to me that um, that there was already a rumble of rebellion within the heavenly courts before that. That was that was certainly one of Satan's arguments that he he alleged that he and Michael were equal, were both angels, and God had to God had to set the heavenly host straight. Say, well, actually, Michael is pre-existent when he is he is part of the the trinity he's been existent for eternity past he will be existent in eternity future he is life itself unborrowed underived angelic beings are created beings it, it, god had to set forth those parameters uh so yes you're correct in that part of satan's jealousy with michael was the councils with creation but i think it's evident that god was there was already a need for God to set forth evidence in the first place. Well, I've wondered often about that because God knows the end from the beginning. He does. Yeah, so I've wondered if that wasn't the plan, knowing Satan was going to sin. Also possible. I, I, from the foundations of the, of the earth, I mean, apparently this plan was in place from the beginning, eternity past. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have any issue with that either. Did you have a comment, Wendell, or did you? Change your mind. We do not have scriptural evidence for this. Correct. So it's inspired, inspired record. But yes, yeah, the scripture is actually quite vague on the timing uh, of 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 the events uh, of of the fall of Lucifer's fall. That's right. When you take Mrs. White's writings to be inspired, she has made statements which imply that the fall, that Satan's fall, was much before the planting of the earth. And then the planting of the earth was continued, but it was an ongoing process. It wasn't just, a, oh, now he's fallen, let's, let's make the earth. Not the cause of his fall. Yeah, I think that's also accurate. But you're correct that it is not, it is not, um, it's not made, uh, it's not defined and, and laid out in a, in a nice historical timeline in Scripture. Um, again, from the introduction, it talks about, I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's a, a long droning several pages but it talks about english woman seeing the spanish armada she's seven months pregnant and the fear of the armada causes her to give birth prematurely the child is named is named thomas hobbs who became a uh, one of the great european political theorists and his he advocated um he basically said that humanity in order to be effectively governed, would need to surrender all of their safety, all of their will, all of their freedoms to a one governmental um, entity, whether it's a monarch or a pope or a um, or a legislature, a group of individuals managing their best interest. Um, and certainly, for the last thousand years. <laughs> We have seen, and, and frankly, time before that as well, we have seen that that's, a, that's what earthly governments have, that's the path they've followed. Earthly governments want to completely manage uh, the lives of their citizens and exact tributes from them and micromanage and exist to, to uh, protect the safety of government, not the safety of the citizens. Okay. And then the author of the lesson, he starts comparing, he's, he, he starts intimating that God's government functions the same way. Which I respectfully disagree with. 
Um, he, he conflates a, a Hobbes, he calls it a Hobbesian covenant with the, um, with the God's covenant with Abraham. Is this accurate? Also, in his discussion, he, he lists the reason for us loving God is because we observe what, you know, God saved us because we ought to love him. If you truly have thinking beyond that, we love God because of who God is, not because of something he did for me. Or could do. Yeah, correct. That's right. Yeah. You know, his whole, the whole premise of this discussion is, as we've talked about before, your view of law. Mm-hmm. Your view of creation, your view of who God is. That's right. I do want to read the last two paragraphs. How does it all work? It's as simple as an exchange. Christ takes our sins and gives us his righteousness so that through him we are accounted as righteous as God himself. In this way, sin is no longer attributed to us. It is no longer has to keep us separated from him. Murderers, adulterers, bigots, liars, thieves, and even the incestuous can all be viewed as righteous as God himself. And this wonderful gift, this accounting as righteousness, comes by faith and faith alone. Hence the phrase righteousness by faith. But it does not end there. Murderers, adulterers, bigots, liars, liars, thieves, and even the incestuous can, through Jesus, enter into a relationship with God. Because Jesus' blood brings not only forgiveness, but cleansing, healing, and restoration. We are, through Christ, born again. And through his experience, God writes his holy law upon the fleshy tables of our hearts. Thus, murderers, adulterers, biggest liars, thieves, and the incestuous can no longer no longer do the things they used to do. From and by this inward law, all of life is shaped for the believer. These people desire to work out what God puts within them, and the desires match with the promise of divine power. Here is the essence of what it means to live in divine in a covenant relationship with God. So there are <laughs> there's almost contradictory um mutually exclusive language going on here uh on one on one hand I, he's right god does write his law in our hearts and minds and there is a transformation a healing that takes place uh, in the sin in the sinful um we are accounted as why are we accounted as righteous um because we are thank you <laughs> when chip does my uh my account, year-end accounting, he doesn't account me as a billionaire because I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> I wish he would. No, I don't, actually, because then I would go out and spend money I don't have. He, he, he does an accurate accounting. Okay, God's accounting is, is accurate. We're counted as righteous because we are, not because blood has been applied in a record book in heaven somewhere. I'm still not clear on when it began, this government, the way of our church looking at our world is run the same way our government is run. Where it began in heaven. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one of one of Luce, one of Lucifer's allegations. I mean our our church, our when it when Earth was created, Adam and Eve sinned. Where did that system Start well again. Backing up, you have to back up to the beginning. Lucifer alleged that God's government was restrictive. Yeah, it was arbitrary. That it he alleged God's law couldn't be couldn't be obeyed. 
In fact, there, there's a passage in, in one Ellen White reference that says that to the angels, the idea that God had a law was unthought of. They just existed in heaven. And they, well, well, this is how reality works. I, I love, I love my fellow neighbors. I love Lucifer. I love God. I love Michael. I love everyone. Um, I, I've been asked to do. I've been asked to do a certain job. I, I'm going to do that job willingly and freely and, and happily. Uh, the law of giving, the law of truth, the law of love, the law of worship. Uh, those were all. Those were all as part of God's government in eternity past. The angel, but the angels never even, never even thought of it as being a law until Lucifer made started making some allegations about the law. So this has gone all down through our history. Absolutely, through Moses through David through. Well, it may not have been articulated that way. Uh, where it really became where it really became prevalent, in my understanding, is in in the mid three hundreds when. Constantine, the the emperor of Rome, converted from paganism to Christianity, uh, and then Christian Christian authors started speaking about uh, the beauty of Constantine's government and how it mu- it must be reflective of the government of heaven. Um, so I, I think that's that's when that's when it really started uh, filtering into church services and and christianity in in general and so we just at our church in particular we just adopted this same yes this this is what tim this is the line of babylon that's spoken of in revelation that has made everyone drunk on this idea that god's government functions like human governments but there was an argument and a near split in our denomination over this very issue Yes, back in 1888. 1888. Okay. Where Jones and Wagner came out and, and they disagreed. Yes. Okay. This is why. Okay. And she was, she was shipped to Australia. Right. And then our church rejected that. As a hierarchy, yeah, we, we adopted the penal legal, the Lutheran um, model of, of salvation, and, and she was uh, advocating for the righteousness by faith. Um, yes? But it's really just innate in human nature for us to think like that. I, th- I think by now, yes, it is encoded in into our. We just little children think like that. It's they our genetic. That. They just automatically think like that. I, I think I think you're right. Uh, I think that with the hundreds of generations that have have come since creation, that um, yeah, by now it, it it's it's part of our natural thought process and growing up. And th- and this is this is touched on in the seven levels of moral development. At level one, when you're you know, you're a child, your morality consists of reward and punishment. That's it. But that, that's that's the only thing that defines morality for you. If you get rewarded, I don't understand why things are done the way they are. I remember when I was first having my first child and my girlfriend telling me, "Whenever you tell your child to do something, you always give a reason." The child doesn't understand the reason, but you want them to know that there is a reason. And that's kind of a more mature way of looking at rules. There's always 
I yeah, I think I think something like not having children myself, it seems reasonable that 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 type of a uh, that type of an approach will pay dividends years down the road. Yes. Um, but it, reasoning with a three-year-old as a parent can be somewhat frustrating, uh, to to say the least. But it's important to do it. Uh, yeah. Again, yes, you could because you're investing in in what in what's going to develop in the character of the child on down the road. But sometimes parents have to enact emergency measures like thundering on Sinai and because I said so. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's because because mommy said so. <laughs> well, sometimes we don't understand God either. Absolutely. But we know that He has a reason. We have ample evidence for that, yes. And we do now as adults. Um, 20 years ago, I didn't necessarily know that. Again, there's ample evidence for that. We, 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 sometimes, um, we sometimes reject that. Uh, so b- before we delve into Sabbath's lesson, I and I was having this con- uh, conversation with Tina earlier. I highly, highly recommend the first four chapters of Patriarchs and Prophets as background reading for for this particular lesson. There are deep, deep insights that she has to offer regarding the uh, why was sin permitted, which is chapter one. It, it, it talks about the beginning of why how and why sin developed in heaven and what God did or didn't do in response to that. Um, talks about the, the creation, uh, why the, the purpose of the two trees in the middle of the garden, Adam and Eve's fall, and, and then the eventual uh, promise of a redeemer to come uh, to fix the problem. So there's some, some great, great insights. So from Sabbath's lesson, uh, the memory verse, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created, he, he created them. Um, it's entertaining now that we can't use the term mankind because that's certain groups get uh, offended or angry because of that. I will use mankind. So direct. Direct your rage at your gender studies professors. So what exactly does it mean to be made in God's image? Is it is it two eyes and ears and legs and arms? Is it one mouth and nose and brain? Is it uh is it our abilities to procreate, to bring forth life in our own image? Is it um is it our dominion, uh, also known as sovereignty over the earth? Is it, the, is it the ability to give freely, to freely give of ourselves to the betterment of others? Or is it something more than this? When God created man, it was before sin. So he created man with the character that he had for one another. It was before sin on this earth. Right. But for love for one another, for caring for the earth, for always reaching out instead of inward. And that's, that's how God is. I mean, he's a God of love, and that's how he created us to be. You the thoughts? Let's read that last sentence again. So God created humankind in his image, mankind in his image. Ha! In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The current cultural climate in the West, 
demanding that you stop using sex-based pronouns, he or she, and start using sex-neutral ones, it strikes at the very foundation of a creator God and perpetuates the lie of evolution. Now, how many of you are, are familiar that this is a this is a thing that that now sex-based pronouns are a thing of the past and they need to be replaced? This is a chart showing all the gender-neutral pronouns. You can't read it. Uh, it's in the notes. Feel free to download them. This is a this is a dizzying exercise in human foolishness, in my opinion. Think in future books, what they're going to look like. Oh yes, well, Princeton University has already removed any uh, gender uh, or sex-based language from its uh, admissions manual for students. Well, it won't be a woman having a baby. What will it be? I mean, think of that. C, S-I-E. What? C is, is she. Or Z. Or X-E. Changing our language. Yes. At the very least. Or Zim, Z-E-M, is, is the masculine. Ha! <laughs> can't get away from it, can you? So which combination on that chart can give birth? Yeah. Yeah. Now, hey, stop using facts, man. Stop using logic, okay? Sorry. He has no place in this argument. Whoa. The scientists are telling you this. Oh, yeah. This is, this is science. As a nurse, I'm, I was thinking about this in nursing. How in the world would they make medical books and stuff to study? Human body, male and female. I mean, how would they word it? And there are scientists who have objected or tried to provide scientific evidence that this is nonsense. Yeah, they, they've, they've they been are destroyed. castigated, defunded, deplatformed, uh, fired from tenure. The, the president of Harvard University in 2007 wrote an email saying that there are biologic differences between the two sexes. Harvard University, whose motto is Veritas, is Latin for truth. He was fired. In 2007? 2007, this happened. Wow. From an email. Okay, so anything coming out of Harvard now has to be taken with a, a truckload of salt. Okay, this... This, these, these, this exercise of of uh, of lunacy. This is a result of years worth of debate, and and who knows how much time and money in academia, that higher education come up with these new pronouns simply to avoid reality. We're doomed. Yes. How are they going to deal with nature? Well, nature is just a social construct. I mean, are they going to change that too? For the animals. When you when you believe that everything evolved from gases and, and, and molds and pond scum and then evolved into different uh, type different type of uh, mollusks and echinoderms and et cetera, et cetera, up to amphibians and then one fish decided, Hey, I wanna walk on land, I'm gonna grow legs. And then over millions and billions of years, eventually an ape uh, was developed, and, and that ape became human. 
They would just say that thing had a baby. When you surrender, when I mean, when you <laughs> when you decouple yourselves from from reality, this this is this is the inevitable result. If you surrender yourself to believing a lie or rejecting truth, a lie is the only thing left to believe. Okay, think I think about this for a minute. If if these zealots within the religion of equalism can get us to can get humans to admit that there is no male and female, I mean, what what more foundational truth do we recognize as humans? They can get you to admit. They can get you to give voice to any lie. So they're trying to change the way that people think, and they can't really tell you what to think. They're trying. But they're not going to tell you and me what to think. That's right. Look at look at them. Look at the tactics that they use. Uh, Jordan Peterson is a a professor at um, a university in Toronto, I believe. Um, and he he is he is infamous for standing up to these zealots and saying, you know what? No, I will not use gender neutral pronouns. I will use he and she. And he gets shouted down, he gets death threats, he gets um, bags of urine thrown at him at speaking events. It's all sorts of crazy stuff. Simply from saying, you know what? And I don't know what it, I don't know what his religious background is. I don't know what his I don't know much about him. He's 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 coming at this from a free speech a- angle. Where he's he's saying to these zealots, no, you will not tell me what words I can and can't use. So at the end of the lesson, the Sabbath lesson, it it notes that at the end of the creation, uh, things were perfect. What happened? Yes, what happened indeed. Uh, From the bottom, what does the Bible teach about origins? What kind of a relationship did God want with humanity? What was the purpose of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Tina, you take that one. <laughs> what hope was given to Adam and Eve immediately after they fell? Well, my question was, you know, first of all, these are good questions, and do we have the answer? But is Scripture the only answer to the question of origins? Or does science uh, and our understanding of reality, does that harmonize with what Scripture tells us? Well, not the science we just talked about. No male, no female. All right. First paragraph in Sunday's lesson. Oh, okay. This is the uh, the turtle story. <laughs> it didn't make sense. Yeah, right. Not at all. So uh, if you haven't read it, let, let's go through it. A scientist who had just lectured on the orbits of the planets around the sun, the orbit of the sun around the center of the galaxy, when an elderly woman in black tennis shoes, I don't, I don't know what that has to do anything, uh, rose and said the earth was a flat disk sitting on the back of a turtle. The scientist, jesting, asked what the turtle sat on. She responded to sat on another turtle. Ma'am, uh, the scientist continued joking, what does that turtle sit on? She answered another turtle. But before he could ask what that turtle sat on, she wagged her fingers and snapped. Save your breath, Sonny. It's turtles all the way down. So now the lesson is bringing back in the uh, the flat Earth thing. So we can we can look forward to being bombarded with emails from the flat Earth contingent and or the uh, 
littering our our social disease media message boards uh, with the idea that the earth is indeed flat um on further down on the lesson the lesson alleges that god does not attempt to prove he's creator he expects us to take this on faith uh, is this accurate Wendell? It goes back to your definition of faith. Faith being a trust in God based on experience and a relationship. Yes, it, it, yes, it makes it on faith. We have a relationship with Him, we believe Him, we walk with Him. So yes, it is faith, but it's not the faith of incredulity or I, I blind stupid credulity is what is the, the Ellen White quote which I love you know yes it's it's faith based on evidence it's not a leap in the dark correct it's a trust this this idea and this is from the the, the second paragraph well third fourth paragraph uh, below the uh says what's interesting about Genesis 1-1 or other texts is the Lord does not attempt to prove he's creator no elaborate arguments to make the point. Instead, it's simply and clearly stated with no attempt to justify, explain it, or prove it. I think the I think the Lord provides ample evidence that He's created and has provided ample evidence that, he's, that there's a designer. Uh, and the God that I now know. Uh, provides ample evidence, and he invites me to examine the evidence. He invites me to question the evidence. And more than that, he leaves me free to accept or reject that evidence. Consistent with his government of, of, of liberty. All right, Monday's lesson, the image of the maker. Again, what does I ask, what does it mean to be made in God's image. I want to solicit some uh, opinions here. We were created, not just in his image physically, but spiritually, intellectually, socially, everything. Okay, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a statement I agree with, but what, what unpack that some, well, what, what, what qualities or, or what things about creation of humans makes us created in God's image? Other well, like, yeah, like I said earlier, created to love other people, to care for this world, to care for other people more than ourselves, to put other people first. I mean, okay. to, and spiritually speaking, to honor him as the creator, to worship him as the only God. I mean, we were created... In his image, knowing that he is the only true and true God, he's one of the God before him. All right. Any other thoughts? And he wanted us to be friends. He wanted to be friends with us, and he still does. And some of us just don't get that. He's a wonderful God, and it takes a lot of time and prayer. I think even prayer and study and reading different books. To know him better. All right. Um, <clears throat> I have three dogs. These dogs love me. They love me scratching them behind the ears. They love it when I feed them. They love being taken for a walk to the student park. 
Um, they love me. They may view me as a dog. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Their perspective is, is uh, yeah. the, here. this is our leader. This is our alpha. He provides our food. If any of you have had a pet, you know the pet loves you. So, but, but we're created with the power to choose. To choose right from wrong. To reason. Okay. Now, now we're now we're getting somewhere. All right. So the 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 uh, the lower order of animals that don't have reasoning capabilities. Which which, it's hard for me to believe in some ways. Have you seen the picture of the dog with the stick across his mouth, carrying it, and he's going through this opening and he can't fit through there. The stick's too wide, so he turns the stick around and drags it through. Now is that not reasoning? I don't know. Look at look at look at a rat. Look at a rat learning a, a labyrinth maze to get a uh, to get a, a some morsel of food or to get a hit of cocaine. But almost I don't see that. Because there's a reward at the end of that for him. But this dog, there's no reward except that he gets the stick through the opening. It's keep stick. <laughs> Trust me, that's a reward. <laughs> can do that. That's true. <laughs> there, 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 there are some dogs that keep bumping up against the door. But I'm still saying this, that seems like reasoning to me. Is that not reasoning? I don't know. I agree with you. I think they have a limited amount of reasoning. I know Tim doesn't agree with that either, but they can't go in. Why would a dog go in and save somebody's, you know? Why would they train the dogs uh, to smell where the dope is in, in the airport? Or somebody going to have a seizure and they can warn the person before they yes, ever have it. Yes, uh-huh. So I think they have a limited amount, but they can't reason like humans can of what is really right and wrong. Unless they've been taught, they can be taught that, but without teaching. Really, you think a dog can be taught right from wrong? Yeah, no. I do. And it, well, it's I don't. I, I, I think wrong, I think that. I think a dog a dog operates on a classic classical conditioning, reward and punishment, um, a level one moral development. Wendell, it, um, it depends upon what you think about what thinking is. Okay, and what our nature is. It's the nature of our being to adore and worship God, but it's the nature of the being of creatures to. Uh, Adore and worship God in their own realm. Right, the, the, the cardinal. Revelation 5.13, And behold, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, in the world below, and in the sea, all living beings in the universe, and they were singing to him who sits on the throne, coming from above. So, yeah, each, each creature offering praise in its way, whether it's a plant or... Correct, in his way, in their abilities or whatever. Okay, well, that that's... This, this is this is good. This this continues clouding the the picture of what it means to be in, made in God's image, uh, which is fine. I, mean, I don't have a I don't have a great definition. Um, some people say that the ability to bring forth life in our own image is is what distinguishes uh, is what really is what the keystone that makes it. Uh, yes, do that. I, thank you. <laughs> some you know some bacteria do that. Um, but what's what's nature's primary force in in procreating? Was <laughs> but but it's driven by something. So, survival of the fittest. Instinct. 
Preservation. Preservation of self, preservation of the species. Okay? Is that what drives humans to procreate? Yeah. For those who are saying no, you haven't been in the dating scene lately. Okay? Instinct is is a big driver of what... Uh, she called it lust. Fair enough. That's why we don't date. Yeah. Okay, we talk about... When I was when I was going over this, I, it called to mind the the, the text from Second uh, Peter, talking about um, those driven by instinct, especially those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt passion and despise authority, reckless, self-centered. They speak abusively of angelic majesties without trembling, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a demeaning judgment against them before the Lord. But, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, using abusive speech where they have no knowledge, will, in the destruction of those creatures, also be destroyed, suffering wrong as their wages of doing wrong. So are we not called by reason, called to use our reason, guided by a clear conscience and discernment to engage our wills in order to choose to act in accordance with God's law, design laws for human procreation and, and everything else. See if this quote from uh, Patriarchs and Prophets uh, adds any um, insights. Man was to bear God's image both in outward resemblance and in character. So apparently the two eyes and two arms and legs and facial features are similar. And in character, Christ alone is the, quote, express image of God, referencing Hebrews 1.3, of the Father. But man was formed in the likeness of God. His nature was in harmony with the will of God. His mind was capable of comprehending divine things. His affections were pure. His appetites and passions were under the control of reason. He was holy and happy in bearing the image of God and in perfect obedience to his will. Thoughts? Did I clear anything up? Clear anything up about what it means to be made in the image of God? Wonder how long before man sinned? How long he was in the garden before he sinned? I, that's a fascinating question. It's one I've I've pondered um, quite a bit. Uh, my my guess is it wasn't very long. My educated guess is it wasn't very long. Cheryl always says he thinks it was less than nine months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was it was much less than nine months because because Cain, I don't think Cain was conceived in, in a sin, sin by sinless beings. You know, the first murderer, uh, I think, already had the defective DNA of of sin, sinful Adam and Eve. So, I, I don't think Eve Eve wasn't pregnant when when she fell. I don't think she was pregnant. The evidence is is on the side that, that that she had not she was not pregnant. Now the marriage may have been consummated, but I don't think pregnancy had. Uh, I don't think she, uh, pregnancy was established. Thoughts? Well, no. In my 
reading and stuff on that, like you, it's always fascinated me. Um, it would just seem like if it was too short a time that they would not have really had a chance to get to know God well enough maybe to trust him completely where it would have been easier for Eve to sin or to fall for the serpent. I don't know. It just Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit in, I uh, think, Thursday's I, lesson. I, in my reading, I also have a tendency to think that it was longer uh, because you have to have time for Adam to, to, Get to even work know the garden yeah. for it to grow, yeah, and for a period of time. Because if if God is coming to them and say, "Well, don't you know, don't go to the tree," you know, and that's going to be fresh in their mind. But after a time, you forget. Well, I don't think that they weren't forbidden to go to the tree because the, in the center of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So every time they went to visit the tree of life, they saw the, it's, it's pretty clear that they saw. But after a time, you, you, you get a little bit more, I don't know. And also, when Adam worked in the garden, it was no thorns, no thistles, none of yeah. that stuff. And for him to train the vines it takes time. and stuff like that, I don't, I, unless because of the time it was, things were instant. I don't know. But I've often thought, you know, for him to train the garden, train the vines, get used to all yes. that. Because then when sin came and all the thorns and thistles and all the weeds and stuff, it was so heartbreaking to him yes. because he had worked the garden before all that. To me, that seems like that would take time. Well, part of our problem is we can't, I can't envision yeah. a garden uh, without weeds and thorns. Can't do it. I've, I've, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, but I can't. I can't adequately conceptualize it. Perfect flowers, perfect, you know, weedless gardens and all. And yet, when you pick one of the flowers, they they begin to die. That that's the garden I'm used to. Um, so I. I think things happen a lot faster as far as uh, growth and as far as whatever. Uh, Tim's of the mindset that he thinks that they can control. They can control the growth of things simply with a thought. Well, then if that's the case, then why would it have taken nine months for a baby to develop? Everything else is like that, but then all of a sudden the baby takes nine months to develop. Um. Uh, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. Yeah, this, this is fine. This this is good. We're we're spitballing here, yeah. right? Real simple thing because we know that um, it's because of sin that conception was multiplied. So God said, "I'll multiply your conception." God God didn't mean for women to have babies every year. Uh, didn't He say your your pain will be multiplied and your conception will be multiplied? Well. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't recall that. Uh, it'd be in Genesis uh, three, probably twelve-ish. Um, the um, sixteen is where he talks about pregnancy and, and, and pain. Read it for us, please. So, if, if you go three sixteen, um, then turning back to the woman, God said, as a result of your disobedience. You will not have children without pain. You will desire a partnership with your husband, but he will be the head. No, it's not the King James. This is the clear word. This says conception. King James says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. 
In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I wasn't aware of that. Don? Without sin, we don't need this much conception. Well, I, I don't think we need it in a world with sin. Um, well, because of death. It's because of death that we need it. Oh, yeah. until until the eradication yeah. of smallpox, yeah. there was always danger that the human race would die out. Mm-hmm. Sixty thousand people died. Of, six, excuse me, sixty million people died wow. of smallpox wow. in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Wow, it was a bigger killer than anything we can imagine today. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to hear what you have to say. Well, there's there's two things that are interesting about creation that we hold today and, and is proof of creation over science or over logic. And I don't know if you call it logic, but logic is involved in it in proving that there is a creation. And that is procreation. Do you know that almost 95% of all animals, insects, chickens, whatever, take a weekly cycle to mature. A chicken is three weeks. You know, a dog is nine weeks. And it's all in weeks, except for two or three abnormalities, you know. And uh, that's another proof of creation, I think, because there's nothing except the seven-day week and procreation that goes on a weekly cycle. And it all started at creation. I don't follow that at all. Well, you don't follow anything I say. (laughs) Does anybody else follow that? Well, I mean, this weekly cycle is the only thing that we have that proves creation. And we look back at that and say, there's nothing in the sun, moon, and stars that marks the week. So you're talking about from a time perspective where the seven-day week is something that transcends uh, all cultures. All cultures observe a a seven-day week, a repeating seven-day week. It's related to that is that when animals and humans and birds procreate, it's on a weekly cycle rather than on monthly or, you know, quarterly or yearly uh, Almost everything is number of weeks. Before. Well, I guess I'd never, never considered that. Um, and the human is what forty weeks. Thirty-nine. We know is nine months. Well, how about an elephant? Forty weeks. An elephant weeks too. No, elephants like a year. Yeah, two yeah. weeks. Fifty-two weeks. Ninety-three weeks, sir. Which a year and a half. I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand this. Well, if you know, no. I'm beginning to <laughs> explain it. Well, I, I think what he's saying is that the consistency of a seven-day week, um, that science acknowledges that things are on a weekly cycle, including gestation, uh, and it's, it's the consistency of a seven-day week, and, and not it's not an hourly cycle. It's not a, a monthly or whatever. It, it's the repeating seven-day week. The, the, he, he, he thinks that's the prime evidence of, of creatorship. 
even though each animal may have a different number of weeks, you can divide it by seven days to get, you know, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And so it's, it's I mean, the, you know, if you study biology and, and uh, all animals, almost, you know, like 95% of them are on a weekly cycle for their gestation. Based on a sun cycle or moon cycle or some planetary cycle. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Um, so, the lesson, Monday's lesson asserts that um, Adam and Eve were made from the same material. Is this accurate? What was Adam made from? Dirt. Dirt. Dust. Dust. The earth. 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 What was Eve made from? Rib. Adam. Adam. Living tissue. Tissue. What do men relate best to? From Earth. <laughs> you're, you're projecting. <laughs> what do men relate best to? The Earth. They relate to the world they live in. They test it. They experiment. They explore it. They relate to the earth. What do women relate best to? Relationships. Men, i.e. relationships. Okay? That's true. Think about it. Yeah. That's good. I think that it comes from the origin of the substance. Now, okay, you can say Eve was made from dirt, processed dirt, but Eve was made from living tissue. Taken from the side of Adam. There's a great symbolism in that. She was taken from his side to be a equal partner, not to be trampled on underfoot or not to be uh, set uh, at the head in, in the uh, leadership and guidance of Adam. But she was made from living tissue. She was made from man. Whoa, man. Female. Consider and again, this is again a quote from Patriarch's Prophets. He was created from a rib, taken from the side of Adam, signifying she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and be protected by him. What did Eve need protection from? In a perfect creation, there was already an enemy. Adam already had job as a protector. Did he? She said he failed his job. Did he for, did he force Eve to stay by his side? Should he have forced Eve to stay by his side? No. But you could almost say that he did protect her because he took of the fruit too. Had he not eaten of the fruit, then God would have had to create him another help meet. That's, that's a conjecture. Maybe. Um, so how would they have lived? I, I don't know that he... In sin and him living in a perfect environment? A lot of marriages like that. <laughs> This is good stuff. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Jesus would have died for one. Why would he have not died for Eve? Okay, I, I think that's a fair question. In Jewish mythology, Eve was um, Adam's second wife. His first wife was named Lilith. Who? Lilith. Lilith? This is in Jewish mythology. It's almost moot to consider what would have happened if Adam hadn't uh, taken the fruit as well. Because he did. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. So, His 
joining in that was not for her protection. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think I think there was actually a selfish uh, motive for him. He, he didn't want to lose his wife, his love. He didn't, um, and he he willingly took the fruit. He did, I he did not trust God. Correct. Yeah. And and he loved Eve more than he loved and trusted his maker. That's correct. Then how was that throwing her under the bus? Women have had great... It wasn't me, it was a woman said. you... Yes, they have. That's right. What? That's why they made men head of the household. He said women have had great influence over men ever since. I think men have been selling selling their souls for the... For the uh, temporary approval and appeasement of a woman ever since adam in fact i think that gets passed down in our dna think about think about scriptural references of men listening to their wives and and causing a whole boatload of trouble abraham what if he'd said you know what sarah i'm not going to take Hagar into my bed okay in fact the only the only person that i can recall that didn't listen to his wife was job Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, I sympathize with her. She she lost her children, lost her her, her wealth, she had lost a lot. So I can I can I think that expressed that 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 lament came from a, a place of a broken heart, but he didn't listen. Because you can also you can also think of uh, men that should have listened to their wives, like uh, Pilate, or um, who? Yeah, his wives that killed him. You know, he he died. You know, when he fell backwards and broke his neck. I thought it was Eli that that, that broke his neck when he heard his sons were killed. Are you thinking of Abigail's husband? Okay, yeah, I yeah, his name began with an N, but I can't I can't recall it. But you're right. Nabal, thank you. Yes. Yeah, he should have listened to his wife when 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 Abigail said, you know, we, we need to treat David and his uh and his band with kindness. All right, uh Tuesday's lesson, God and humankind together. So God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. Again, if Eve needed protection before their fall, what needed to be subdued in the earth? Why, why, why was there a need to subdue the earth? There was, there was a malevolent force on earth seeking Adam and Eve's destruction. Successfully, I might add. They needed to subdue that force. They needed to, they needed to encounter the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, see it every time they went to the tree of life, and reason and trust and and understand that hmm we're not to we're not to take that we're not to taste that fruit wonder why maybe we should and then they exercise their will and the avoidance of it in genesis 129 god tells mankind he has given them every plant yielding seed and every tree that has fruit yielding seed from their fo- for their food uh, in Genesis 2, uh, God told Adam they can eat, he can eat from every tree in the garden except one, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And do these passages ring any bells regarding their eventual fall? Think about that for a minute. We're going to get to that in Wednesday's lesson.
God initiated the relationship with mankind, and this is from the lesson, and, and I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. He introduced Eve to Adam and presided over their wedding. He came and talked and walked and talked with them in the cool of the evening. Uh, and they were visited by angels who educated them regarding the falls, fall of Lucifer and that Lucifer was seeking their ruin, educating them on the, the laws of heaven, the laws of earth. Uh, and again, I've included a uh, I've included a passage from Patriarchs and Prophets. I'm not going to read it. Um, oh wow, time disappeared. Uh, all right, one well, one more thing. Wednesday at the tree. It's important that our law we we review our law lens when we contemplate why God placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil evil in the midst of Eden. A design law perspective. Well, excuse me, if we have an imposed law perspective, then the tree was just an arbitrary test of loyalty and obedience. If we have a design law viewpoint, then the tree was necessary. It was critical for the uh, development of character of our first parents in accordance with the law of truth, the law of worship, the law of exertion, the law of liberty, and the law of love, and any others that I haven't thought of. It's such a simple task. Don't eat the fruit. Trust me. Yes, yeah, trust me. You do, want, you do not want this knowledge. And consider, consider Eve's question, uh, excuse me, say uh, Lucifer's question uh, to Eve in the form of a serpent. And uh, again, Ellen White says that it, had he appeared in the form of an angel, she would have been on guard. Her, her, de- her defenses and alarms would have been raised. But no, he appeared as a serpent. And then we look forward to some point in the future where he's been portrayed as an angry devil, a fork, a, a, a cloven-hoofed, horned, pitchfork-carrying monster for thousands of years as a serpent. He's going to appear as an angel of light. Fascinating uh, juxtaposition. But consider his question to Eve. Quote, did God say you may not eat from any tree of the garden? It's a brilliant question if you're wanting to deceive someone. That's a lawyer question. Exactly. That's exactly right. An imposed lawyer question. Implied in this question is the premise that God is stingy. He's selfish. He doesn't really care about his creation. He just wants to lord his sovereignty over it. That's what's implied in the question. So Eve corrected him. From the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. So here we have Eve has recorded the first human to lie about God. There's nothing in scripture that says that God had forbade them from touching it. Now, it's reasonable that 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 would be venturing onto really, really thin ice by touching it and, and examining it and juggling it or whatever. But according to Scripture, there was no there was no the nothing to forbid them from touching it. They were forbidden from eating it. Uh, and in fact, there's a passage in Patriarchs and Prophets where Satan used that argument against Eve when he handed her the fruit. 
Because initially he handed her a piece of fruit and she held it and didn't die. And Satan, Satan said, well, you're in, see, you're not dead. You've touched it. And then she picked one herself and ate it. And then went and found her husband and who knows how she got him to eat it. Eating it signifies internalizing it. Good. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Great symbology there uh, in harmony with, with the communion system. Uh, we're internalizing the blood and the flesh and making it part of ourselves. Uh, all right. So uh, Thursday's lesson, you guys can download the notes. Um one more, one, one more point. Um, Eve was deceived into sin. She, she believed the serpent. Um, say what you will about that. She, she was earnest in her belief, but she believed a lie. Adam sinned willingly. Does the law of gravity care if you're tricked into jumping off a cliff or if you do so willingly? No, it doesn't. Do, do the laws of health care if you're deceived into eating a uh, 4,000 calorie a day diet and refusing to exercise or if you do those things willingly? The laws of health don't care. God's design law treats treats male and female, black and white, rich and poor, uh, intelligent and stupid, the same. They treat They treat humanity with equality. Our heads. Gracious Father, thank you for the lessons that you have provided for us uh, in the fall of humanity. And more than that, we thank you for the remedy that you uh, promised the uh, coming Messiah who has come once and whose second coming we, uh, we await patiently. Um, please continue to mold and shape our characters to that like Christ so we can hasten that event. In Jesus' name, amen.